In this episode, I'm going to share a draft of chapter 20 from the book I'm writing, Building the Invincible You. In this book, I've been sharing a framework and strategies for amplifying your power in your work and life, regaining your freedom to spend more of your time the way you wish you could, and building the future you want for yourself and your loved ones. And this is Invincible Life. All right, I'm going to read a bit from this chapter, chapter 20. This is titled Interviewing as an Equal. And it's not just about interviewing as a job seeker. It's about interviewing as a business owner as well. When you talk with potential customers and clients If you want to read this, which might be a little easier than listening to it, I may not get through all of it, you can go to newsletter.invinciblelife.me.me, and this is book chapter, Interviewing as an Equal, issue 34. So I'm going to dive into it. You cannot lie to yourself. You cannot fool yourself. If you're going into an interview and already thinking it is your only option, you are starting from a position of weakness. You will not feel confident. You will not feel powerful. You will not interview as an equal. When I use the word interview, I would imagine it conjures the image of a job interview with a potential employer. But interviewing for an opportunity isn't just for job seekers. As a business owner, you interview with potential clients and customers as well. I do it every single week. And believe me, it feels like an interview. However, what many people get wrong is they assume a massive imbalance of power during the interview process. Job seekers act as if employers hold all the cards, control the process, and own the decision. But you both do, or should, and you should act accordingly. Business owners can fall into a similar trap. When they lack confidence or times are tough, they give up all their power to potential clients and customers. They pretty much say, oh, please hire me, or please buy my product. So let's talk about what it takes to feel confident enough to interview like an equal with employers. I also want to share ways you can boost your power as a business owner to talk with potential clients in a healthy and balanced dynamic versus using a needy approach. First, be in demand. That is the most important. You have to start there. That means you'll need to focus your professional energy in a few areas instead of trying to be all things to all people. 
This is true for individual professionals and business owners. If you're a multi-potentialite, it can be tempting to be a jack of all trades. I'm certainly guilty of that. If this sounds like you too, I'm not asking you to give that up completely. Instead, identify the most in-demand areas. We can love doing a million and one things, but there is probably only a handful of activities that are so valuable to other people that we can leverage them in our career or our business. What is it that you are both good at doing and enjoy doing? And don't think in broad strokes either. For example, if you are a designer, and I used to work with a lot of designers, I was a designer, don't say that you love doing design and you're good at designing things. I mean, yeah, no kidding. (laughs) If you're a designer, you have to go deeper. For example, maybe you love designing iconography and you have a real talent for getting it just right. Focus on the areas of intersection, the passion and the expertise, and be good, hopefully even great, at what you do. You can't be in demand or have freedom and optionality in your life if you aren't that good at what you do. That's why I start here. So either uncover and identify what you're good at doing, or focus on becoming great at doing something valuable. Interviewing is so much easier when there is high demand for you and what you're capable of doing. So be great at what you do. Be highly visible. Refer back to chapter 15 if you want to hear more about how to do that. And be an opportunity magnet. I talk about that all the time. When you're in demand, you can say to yourself, I don't need them. They need me. Heck, many people, many employers, many clients need me and what I offer. If if this doesn't feel right, I will walk away with the confidence of knowing I'm in demand and will find a better opportunity. So speaking of opportunities, I want to talk about creating optionality. I have a quote from Taylor Pearson. If you develop a skill with many possible job opportunities, you have more optionality than someone who develops a skill that only has one or two job opportunities. The advantage of optionality is that as the world grows increasingly difficult to predict, you can thrive in spite of not knowing the future. And some of this comes from the Anti-Fragile book. The more options you have, the greater your sense of freedom and power. It's easy to tell someone no when you have other options. It's difficult to negotiate and feel confident when you don't. Seek optionality so you feel empowered during the interview experience and behave like an equal to the person across the table. But how do you create optionality? Well, as mentioned above, being in high demand is one way to ensure that you always have options. But you can also take a more active role 
in fueling, quote, your optionality tank. Great salespeople understand this better than most, but you should think this way as well. Keep your deal pipeline full at all times. In fact, keep it so full that it occasionally overflows. That's a good problem to have, and it's easily addressed later. Always interview with multiple employers at once. Always be in discussions with multiple potential clients. You should never be doing this in a serial fashion. There's a lot of reasons for this. Part of it is this deal flow. Part of it's going to be negotiation later. When you're an opportunity magnet, recruiters and hiring managers will reach out to you. But you should also pursue the roles you want to keep your pipeline full with options you find attractive. Because the best stuff may not always come to you. You may have to go look for it. Leverage your network to get those warm intros so your potential job options are a mix of people who are pursuing you and roles that you are actively seeking. This also applies to business owners who should always be filling their sales pipeline with potential clients. If you're doing a great job of marketing your products or services, you will have a lot of inbound interest. But your deal flow should be both active and passive. Pursue the clients you would love to work with. Again, leverage your network and your referral partners to get warm intros to your most valuable potential clients. Yes, overflow will happen. If you're doing this right, you will have more inbound interest than you can handle. And that's when you give back to your network and give back to your referral partners. Refer good job opportunities to other good people you know. You know, talented people you've worked with at past companies. Refer potential clients to other trusted business owners. That's your referral partners. Referrals are the lifeblood for many small businesses and solopreneurs like myself. I get a lot of referrals and I value them highly. But this is also where scalable offerings come into play if you're a business owner. Sure, you can only handle a few one-on-one clients at one time. There's only so many people you can work with that closely. But you can serve many more clients with things like group services, courses, digital products, having a community. I have my Invincible Career community. I do all this stuff so I can work with more people. And finally, you can boost your sense of optionality by having a solid financial cushion. When you have six months to a year of liquid assets, you know, cash or things that be converted into cash, when you have enough to cover your personal and business expenses, you always have that as an option to fall back, to fall back on versus taking a job you'll hate or going into business with a client you'd rather avoid. I want to talk about partnering versus serving. This is also a way to maintain that power during the interview process. Now, the language we use often sets up an imbalance of power that carries over into the interview process. 
we speak of, quote, working for an employer, working for a client. So it's no wonder we put ourselves into a position of serving them. As a past corporate leader and manager, I deliberately avoid using that kind of language now when I talk about people who worked on my teams. I doubt anyone even notices this, but it matters to me. For example, I'll introduce two people in an email and I'll say, this is Susan. We used to work together at Yahoo. I do not say, Susan used to work for me at Yahoo. Why would I carry over that power dynamic and that relationship from a past work environment? It feels strange. And I think it immediately places the other person in a bizarre subservient status relative to me. It's ridiculous. Yet I've had precisely that experience with a few of my past bosses. Even when several years have gone by, sometimes over a decade or more, Since the last time we worked together, they still like to introduce me to someone new as, this is Larry, he used to work for me. I mean, I don't know why, sorry, but it does rub me the wrong way. We're going to maintain that dynamic 20 years later? So I want to help you establish the correct dynamic from the start when you interview with a potential employer or talk with a potential customer or client you are discussing a potential partnership. A partnership in which you provide a valuable service and they pay you for the incredible value you deliver. You are not serving them. I don't care who they are or what their title is. They are not better than you. They are not in a position of power and control over you. You are choosing to work with them. And you can just as easily choose to stop working with them. Remember, you have options. You always have other options. I once had a client who thought they owned me. (laughs) They owned me because they were paying for my services. They expected me to be at their beck and call 24-7. One weekend, they became upset because I wasn't responding quickly to their messages on a Saturday night when I was relaxing with my family. Crazy, huh? Imagine that, relaxing with my family. So, I had to establish boundaries with this client. I explained that we could terminate our consulting arrangement immediately if they didn't want to respect those boundaries. It was a learning experience for me, which I carried forward in all future partnerships with new clients. If you treat the interview process as you should, you'll get a good sense of what a potential employer or client will be like if you decide to move forward. Anyone who expects you to be in a position of servitude should be avoided. When you have multiple options, it's easy to say, no thanks, and move on. Now I want to talk about maintaining your power. 
Maintain the appropriate power dynamic during the actual interview process too. You want their money, but they need your talent, skills, knowledge, and experience. You need each other. An employer is not doing you a favor by giving you a job. They have a problem you can solve. They need you and they need what you are capable of doing. They will pay you in return for solving their problem. The same is true for a business interview and transaction. The customer isn't doing you a favor by buying your product or paying for your service. You are helping them. You're helping them. In return, they give you money for being the answer to their problems. Keep that balance in mind. We've talked a lot about interviews in my Career Accelerator community. If you want to check that out, my Invincible Career Accelerator, I've linked it in this, uh, this chapter. If you go to newsletter.invinciblelife.me, you can check it out if you're interested. Most of us in the Accelerator and my community have sat on both sides of the table as candidates and hiring managers. I have a whole spectrum of people from entry-level employees all the way up to directors and vice presidents. So we've seen it all. We're familiar with the good, the bad, and the ugly of the process. In particular, we discussed how some interviewing teams seem aggressive. It's kind of ridiculous, but they are. They hammer you with questions and they don't give you much time to ask your own questions in return. In the worst cases, it seems like the interview is deliberately structured to trip you up. They ask one type of question and then they flip it around and they ask why you didn't answer the question differently. So for example, they'll say, we really need someone strategic and innovative. Can you tell me about a time that you drove strategy in your last job? So you answer that question. You talk about how you were driving strategy for some initiative. And they reply, I see. Well, we need someone who can get their hands dirty too. Sounds like you only like to operate at a strategic level. Don't you have any examples of times when you would roll up your sleeves and be more tactical? (laughs) I wish I was kidding. This kind of stuff happens. You must control your story and tell it the way you want it to be told. So don't wait for them to ask you a question you'd rather not answer yet, or at all. Don't ask for their guidance on what they want to hear. And this is more important the more senior the role for which you are interviewing. If you are pursuing a leadership role with a company, for example, they expect you to take some control. Otherwise, you're not acting like a leader. You should be calm and aware of your power in the situation. Obviously, you don't want to behave like a control freak. But you should demonstrate that you were there to learn about them as well. The interview isn't just for the company to evaluate you. You are evaluating the opportunity too. You're trying to decide if you even want to work for this employer. Don't forget that. If you're a business owner, being interviewed by a potential client, they're trying to decide if they want to hire you. But you should also be trying to determine if you even want to work with this client. 
prepare your elevator pitch, your backstory, and answers to expected questions. And when they ask you, tell me about yourself or tell me more about your service, you should immediately dive into your intro and your pitch. You usually only have a few minutes to demonstrate that you are the perfect candidate for an employer's role or the perfect solution to a client's problems. They usually make up their mind pretty quickly. You can't take a chance that they're going to ask you a question that will weaken their first impression of you. Take control. Own your story. Ask the questions you need to ask. Make it clear that you are a strong candidate or business owner who is evaluating them as deeply as they are assessing you. Follow up every answer to their question, to one of their questions, with your own question. One useful interview tip I discovered during my personal job interviews was to get the interviewer talking and then just let them roll. I used to feel like I had my story to tell and I wanted to make sure to demonstrate my brilliance with verbose answers and get talking, right? So I would focus on opportunities to speak up when I should have been looking for opportunities to ask more questions. This works quite well with potential customers too. Listen more than you talk. I don't remember a specific aha moment when I realized this. However, I do remember one interview. When the senior exec interviewing me dominated our meeting and talked endlessly about himself, about the product, about their strategy and future plans, I was worried. I was worried I hadn't performed well during the interview because I barely got a word in edgewise. He really didn't learn much about me. However, I was in for a surprise. I found out he was delighted with the interview and thought I was a great fit for the team. Most people like to talk about themselves. Most employers are proud of their products and their company. They're happy when you show interest in them and the company by asking smart questions. So from that day forward, I would answer a question and immediately use that context to pivot into a question for the interviewers to get them talking. Now, a minuscule number of people didn't seem to like it, so they would quickly return to asking me questions. Many interviewers would answer the question and talk for quite a while. A few people would talk and talk and talk. Occasionally, you will run into rude interviewers who will cut you off, pepper you with questions and criticism, and tell you to hold your questions until the end. Not a big fan of that. So keep calm and maintain your power by politely asking, is this what it would be like to work here? I have a client who did that once with a very senior C-level executive who was being very rude and aggressive and demanding. And they said this, and it really took them by surprise. They'd already decided because of this behavior, they didn't want the job. And they're like, so is this what it's like to work for you? <laughs> Talk about taking your power back. It feels good. I mean, do you really want to work for an employer that treats you poorly during an interview? I don't think so. As a business owner, if a potential client is unpleasant and demanding during an initial discussion, simply ask, 
Is this what our engagement will be like if we decide to work together? Again, I think you already know someone like this will be a nightmare client. It's best to move on and pursue other leads. Again, you have options, right? Finally, be prepared to walk away. When you interview as an equal, you can decide at any time that the opportunity isn't right for you. You can walk away with your head held high. When you know your value, you're in demand and you have options. It's pretty darn easy to walk away. You already have other opportunities to pursue with better potential employers or better potential clients. Your time is too valuable to waste with anyone who doesn't respect you, value you, or treat you well. Your life is too precious to spend even more of it with an employer or a client who will make you feel like less than their equal. You deserve better. So, be confident and demonstrate that the next time you're interviewing with someone. All right, that is the uh, end of this chapter, this draft chapter, chapter number 20, uh, called Interviewing as an Equal, issue number 34. If you go to newsletter.invinciblelife.me.me, you can read that. And you can subscribe. If you're not already subscribed, you can subscribe to this podcast. You can subscribe to the newsletter. And you'll be notified when new chapters from the book get released. All right. Thanks for listening. Until next time, I wish you the best of luck with pursuing the life of your dreams so you can be happier, healthier, and more fulfilled. <laughs>